0: So many of you know we're in a series of messages called "Old Stories, New Voices." And uh, Jessica, I've known you for how long now? How old are you? Seventeen. Seventeen. So almost seventeen years. Um, the first the first time I heard about you was when you puked on my mother's new couch. Oh, that, was Julie. that was Julie. Oh, that, that was Julie. Okay, I'll save that story for another weekend. Never mind. You're safe, good. Way to not puke. Good job. Um, And uh, let me just say what a privilege and an honor it is to get to watch you grow up, to be a part of enjoying who you are and the incredible woman of God that you are becoming and continue to grow into. Um, I uh, I love your spirit. You get a little fight in you, don't you? Yeah, I like that. What's that? It probably came from her mother. Her father's so shy. Um All right. So, you uh you picked a really weird story. Right? Tell us why. Take us into like what what brought you to this story? Why did you pick this one?
1: Okay. So, this has always been one of my favorite stories in the Bible because I remember at youth group, and it was at your old house, mm-hmm. we did that, but we, it was like a lot bigger dough. And I don't know, I thought it was really fun. And it was my favorite story ever since.
0: Cool. Yeah, we had about uh, 10 loaves worth of dough, and the kids were stabbing it with their toy swords. And um, hey, you know, it's stuck. So... We'll go with that. I'm going to lower this just a little bit. All right, how's that?
1: Good, I guess.
0: Great. All right. Um, So you remembered the story from the weird youth group thing we did. And uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background? So this is in the book of Judges, and it's a time in Israel's life where uh, every, every group of people around them has a king. And Israel is supposed to have God as their king, and so they're not supposed to have a human king. And uh, that's the way it was supposed to work. And how did that work out for them?
1: It didn't really work out because somebody would always come and uh, take over.
0: Somebody would always come and take over. And so you were describing a, a pattern that is evident in the book of Judges. Explain that cycle a little bit to us. So
1: the cycle is that Israel does something bad they do something evil and then they have to suffer for it and then they always end up crying out to God and then God delivers them and their oppressor is killed and then there's peace and then it happens again and again and again
0: and do we ever learn no (laughs) isn't that bright and optimistic right um and then Okay, so there's this cycle that's repeated throughout the book of Judges, and honestly, it's repeated in our own hearts and lives and our own world all the time. Um, And then there's another word, there's something that happens in the story that might need a little bit of background explanation. Uh, Ehud comes to pay tribute to Eglon. Tell us what that means and why that's important.
1: So tribute is when, or is when, a group or of people or a village or whatever has to give the king something. It's usually money or, like, crops or something.
0: And if they don't?
1: They get killed.
0: They get killed. So it's better than death, right? Yeah. So it's a form of taxation. Um, it's it's uh, a bummer. Yeah. No one likes paying taxes, right? Uh, okay. So... There's going to be a, a an episode in the story where Ehud comes to pay tribute, and then Ehud gets a better idea, and we'll see how that develops. Why don't you uh, read for us from the book of Judges, chapter 3, verses 12 through 30, and take us into the story. Just read all
1: of it. Yeah. Okay. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strength, strengthened Israel. Eglon the king of Moab against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went, to, and went and defeated Israel and they took possession of the city of Palms and the people of Israel served Eglon the king of Moab 18 years then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer Ehud son of Gera, the Benjamite a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it to his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal? Gilgal. Mm -hmm. And said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence. And all of his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he rose from his seat. And Ehud reached with his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade. And the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly, and the dung came out. Yeah. <laughs> then Ehud went out onto, on, into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came, and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. And they waited till the, they were embarrassed. But then, but when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took a key and opened it, and there lay their lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed and had passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sarai. Yeah, close enough. Okay. And when he arrived, he sounded the triumph in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, And he was their leader and he said to them, follow me for the Lord, follow after me for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of Jordan against the Moabites. They did not allow anyone to pass over and they killed at the time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, all bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued the day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years.
0: All right. That's just a great story. I mean, the detail. Come on. You can't make this up. This is too good. And I, if anyone ever asks you, like, what version of the Bible, you sh- you know, what translation is the best, you got to go with the ESV because they actually say what's in the Hebrew here they actually say it. Other translations kind of shy away from the dung, you know, for obvious reasons. This one just says what it says, and it's like, wow, that was, that's in there. So, pretty impressive. Um, Okay, aside from the uh, blood and guts, um, when you first read this passage, what stood out to you? What seemed weird, different, unique, worth investigating?
1: Uh so the first thing I noticed was that he that it said that he was left-handed because that's an odd trait to say. Yeah. And that Eglon was fat because Okay. I mean, why not?
0: Why not? All right, anything else?
1: Uh Ehud must have been wearing a dress. Or this is seriously though, because how else would he have
0: hidden a dagger, right? Yeah. He's okay. A dress. So there's a dude wearing a dress and uh the other thing,
1: oh, was the cycle. The
0: cycle, good. Um, describe that cycle for me. Take me through the steps again.
1: Okay, so the cycle was uh, turning my page over. Uh, that Israel does evil, and then they suffer. They cry out to God. God delivers them, and then their oppressors killed, and there is peace.
0: All right, very good. Um, so main idea of the passage wait 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 wait! before we do that why is it important that Ehud is left-handed
1: because being left-handed is not a very common thing so when they would pat him down they'd pat down his left leg leg because nobody was left-handed so then he could hide the knife there or the on his right leg on his right leg yeah and just
0: and do his thing yeah yeah and how long is a how long is a cubit? What did we
1: say? It was like a meter and a half.
0: Like a half a meter. Half a meter. How is big you? is half a meter? Pretty long. <laughs> it's at least one stroke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You got to put things in swimming terms with her. Um, okay. So half a meter. So it's it's a substantial blade, um, but it's kind of homemade. So you could say that Eglon got shanked. He got shanked. All right. We're going we're gonna to go with that. All right. And uh, okay. So there are a few uh, life lessons in this story that you observed and brought out, and I want you to kind of talk about those for a minute. Um, what would be the first of those life lessons that you saw in this passage?
1: Uh, That we don't really learn from our mistakes.
0: Or the mistakes of... Others. Others. Um, Now, I mean, I might learn from my own mistake, but I probably won't learn from your mistake.
1: Probably not.
0: Right? So let's say that one day when your mom was a little girl, uh, you know, she touched a hot iron, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're a little girl, and your mom says you know, Jessica, I'm leaving the room, this iron is hot, don't touch it.
1: I touched it.
0: Oh, so this really happened, yeah? You really did that? Did she really tell you not to? And you really did? Yeah, so tell us more.
1: (laughs) So one day, and this happened, and I asked my mom about it, she doesn't remember it, but I remember it, but...
0: Well, there was a hot iron involved.
1: We were getting ready to come to church, and my mom was ironing clothes, and I was in there with her, whatever, and my mom was like, don't touch it, you'll hurt yourself, and I was like, okay, I won't, and I didn't, but then later, I had went back in there, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's still hot, no, it probably isn't, and so I touched it, it was still hot, and so I ran, and I was in my dress, and whatever, I was ready to go to church, and I ran into my room, and I was under the covers, and I was like grabbing my finger, because I just burned it.
0: This was what, two weeks ago?
1: I haven't been to church in like two months. Oh, okay,
0: two months ago, two months ago, <laughs> nice, nicely played. But you were how old? I Ish. Know, I
1: was like young, like six or seven or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, so I'm in my room under the covers, and I hear a door close. But like, Dad likes to like sit out in the car while like he waits for us girls to get ready. So I thought it was just him. No, it was all of them in the car, driving away. And then, well, they came back after they noticed that I was, like, not there. <laughs> and my mom was just like, you are so stupid.
0: No, what she said was, I'm so sorry, honey. Let me give you a hug and a piece of ice. Isn't that how that went?
1: And then she said I was stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry, Al. <laughs> um, okay so did you learn from your mom telling you not to no no what's the only way you and I are going to learn anything
1: when we do it
0: when we do it when we blow it when we mess it up okay so let's talk about that disobedience as a six-year-old girl Um, what came in the wake of that disobedience
1: I uh, learned my con- i consequences.
0: Were they were they enjoyable consequences? No. 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 You, there was pain and a little bit of suffering, and then there's being left alone while your rest of your family drives off for church. And yeah, okay. Um, so we don't really learn from the mistakes of others. One of the messages in the book of Judges: um, our sin will produce suffering consequences and suffering um, but
1: God delivers
0: God will deliver his people all right um, I mean that's that's really the the recurring truth that comes out in this book and if you were God would you get sick of these people yeah like we haven't we been through this before yeah Right and and I did this with your grandparents and now I'm having to do this with you and um, but it paints the picture of a of a God who is very forgiving, forgiving and patient. Good. Um, okay. So that forgiving God that you brought out this other uh, point in your study. Um, why don't you tell us about that? What? That we are to number the second one oh, there
1: Yeah, seek God's forgiveness
0: to seek God's forgiveness is hold the idea of crying out to God um, we sin we suffer uh, the Bible seems to be saying that the proper uh, outlet in our suffering is to
1: recognize and repent our sins
0: recognize our sin and repent of our sin to turn to God and um, cry out to him you see this again it's repeated throughout the book of Judges Um, when we do that when we sin and suffer and we repent we recognize our sin we repent of our sin we turn back to God and cry out to him um, what can we know?
1: that God will always deliver us
0: okay that God will always deliver his people and then you took us into, you, you sort of take us into this third idea that we, what we can know, not only from the book of Judges, but from the whole of the Bible. What is that that God wants us to know?
1: That he will always forgive us.
0: That he will always forgive us. So let me ask you this question. If Jesus, if Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, is there anything you can do to undo that? No. No, right? So if, if God poured out all of his strength and grace upon you, um, how badly can you mess up?
1: Really badly. Really
0: badly. And what's still true?
1: That he will forgive us.
0: That he will forgive us. And does that mean that we should go out and see how badly we can mess up?
1: No, no, because when not. we
0: when we do, what is the, what is what comes in the wake of our sin? Consequences. Yes. Consequences. consequences. Are they pleasant? No. Typically not. Right. Okay. So, but even in the in the face of those consequences, we serve. We can know that God will deliver us. Will deliver us and forgive us. And in fact, we know that He will forgive us because we know that He already has
1: forgiven us
0: and. Delivered us. delivered us, right? And tell us about that. Um, we, so the, the, the last verse of this passage where you know, we see God sort of coming uh, around full circle in this cycle, um, that very last verse tells us that at the end of our sin, its consequences, our suffering, our crying out to God, his sending a deliverer, we will have
1: forgiveness.
0: forgiveness, and we will live in peace. Peace. All right. I love that. You know, after God sends His deliverer, that His people lived in peace for, in this case, eighty years, which is actually a pretty long time in a tribal culture. Um, okay, so that truth. That God will always deliver his people, um, that we can know that his forgiveness is eternal, uh, points us somehow to the cross. Can you take us through that transition? Like, how does this story of Ehud stabbing a fat guy uh, point to the cross of Jesus Christ?
1: So, it's all about the cycle, and the cycle keeps happening. Until Jesus comes and was like, instead of the bad guy dying, I'll die. I'll take the bad guy's place so that the cycle doesn't have to be repeated.
0: Okay, so God sends this final deliverer. And instead of uh, killing the, the the person who's oppressing God's people, the deliverer himself does what?
1: He dies for us
0: dies for our sins okay and so there's this very profound sense in which you know the story of Ehud and every other story in the book of Judges for that matter um, is this articulation of this cycle and the and the faithfulness of God to deliver his people and then the final answer to that sending of a deliverer kind of ends the cycle forever because it turned the whole equation on its head instead of having to um kill the bad guy the good guy says i'll take it for them why would he do that
1: because he loves us
0: that's a great answer all right um and so christ's death ends the cycle forever um you found a, uh, or we found a a verse out of Romans that kind of sums this up pretty well. You want to read that for us?
1: For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life.
0: All right. So, let me see if I got this straight. Um, we sin, but if we clean up our act and we work really hard and we do really, lots of really good things and we behave ourselves and we get all our ducks in a row, then God will save us.
1: You have to ask for forgiveness. You
0: have to ask for forgiveness. And uh, is, is our salvation based on how well we behave? No. No, not really. It's based on what Christ did to deliver us from the consequences of our behavior are. Uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate your heart and all of this. And, uh, you know, weird story, but good message. Well done. Let's pray. All right. All right. Father God, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have sent a deliverer to redeem us, to forgive us, to restore us into relationship with you and to allow us to live in peace and rest forever. Lord, may that truth permeate our souls and define who we are, people at rest with their God, that our lives might speak of that truth to others. And we just thank you for uh, Jessica and, and the other youth in our church as they study your word and As you speak to them and speak to us through them, we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.